We try to figure out why there might not be a baseball season and what we might be able to do about it. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had the three go-throughs uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy. Three. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, June 17th. I'm Al Melker, and I'm here with Derek Van Riper and DVR um, on the Tuesday show. Michael Beller and I went over um, the statement from Rob Manfred uh, from Monday evening. So uh, we're, we're sort of caught up on that. Not very good news. Um, things haven't really gotten better since then. Uh, and starting with uh, the latest on the COVID front, uh, there was an announcement by MLB on Tuesday that several players and staff have tested positive. So, um, you know, that's just uh, adding to the uncertainty that, you know, we we certainly have known that was there all along. But I want to um, go back to Manfred's statement, because even though we've had more than a day to, to chew on this, I'm still, you know, my, my reaction on, on Tuesday's show was I was, I was stunned and I feel like I shouldn't have been, (laughs) but I was, and I kind of still am. So I'm still trying to figure out why he made that statement that there may not be a 2020 season and that it's uh, all about preventing the, the players from, from filing a grievance. What do you think is the real motive here? Do you have a theory on this or uh, an understanding from what you've been reading and listening to? I actually think the way Trevor Bauer outlined the situation on Twitter made a lot of sense and was in line with some things that had crossed my mind uh, even prior to Manfred's statement. I think it all comes down to the owners really want to control the length of the season in order to control the amount of salary they're, they're responsible for, but still be able to have a postseason because so much of the revenue from the TV contracts comes from the postseason and player pay in the postseason is considerably less than it is on a per game basis during the regular season. So I think the motivation is money. I think the statement's timing was probably odd and and the result of the players kind of saying, you know what, just tell us the details. You're going to just do whatever you want anyway. And mostly I think the Players Association caught the league off guard. I, I don't think I don't think the league expected the players association to sort of walk away from the table and just say, fine, do what you want. Like just tell us when we're gonna play. And Manfred had to come back and try and show some sort of power and, and threaten the possibility of no season at all, because in that scenario, that's a devastating financial loss for the players. So I think even though the players association has it all figured out, and by that I mean they sort of know that MLB can't announce a 50 or 55 game season yet because it would fall short. It would end a couple of weeks too early uh, that we're looking at a pretty elaborate uh, delay tactic. And by elaborate, it's not in terms of how complex and thoughtful it is, but just uh, in terms of how ridiculous it actually <laughs> is that they have to do this. I mean, that's what it looks like to me, um, and I, I, I think it's just really interesting to see a group of players that I think we could say pretty confidently, collectively, has the best understanding of their value and what they provide to the game relative to what the owners make from the game, 
more than any other group of players in history have had, right? Like that, that understanding has been there to varying degrees in the past, but I think this group of players is the most educated group of players relative to how unfairly they're being treated in perhaps all of baseball history, or at least in modern baseball history. Yeah, well, and that reminds me of another development in the last uh, day or so that there was a letter that went from MLB uh, to the teams that discouraged them from, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here, and so maybe a little inaccurately, but um, discouraged them from spending exorbitantly on um, education, uh, like continuing education, which is like apparently something I didn't know, but apparently a normal part of the negotiation process with um, signing undrafted free agents. So <laughs> interesting on a couple of fronts there and um, not in a good way. So, yeah, uh, it, it, it's yeah. been a it's been a bad forty eight hour period for Major League Baseball, and as bleak as things seem right now, I still think we're going to get a season in the neighborhood of about fifty four games, and maybe we get a little bit more than that. Even though it seems like more than anything that starts at the five seems like a long shot, um, I think what we're looking at is a situation where you know the league may have to decide on the schedule on its own and pay the players full prorated salaries on a per game basis and also bridge the gap to a higher number because of the way this has played out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we shall see, uh, you know, we'll certainly uh, see how this develops. And, uh, you know, I think your, your angle from earlier in terms of this being, uh, the owner's ploy because of the, the timing, not matching up with, um, a, you know, a really short season is an intriguing one and one that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, but, you know, to get to your, your bigger point that, uh, you know, it's been a grim few days uh, and it just seems to be getting grimmer. Um, so I've been having, you know, conversations here at home uh, with my wife, Mary Beth. And I woke up this morning and she was already up and she was really fired up, <laughs> really fired up about it. And, um, and she said, I got an idea do you want to start a website where you get, you give people contact information for all the owners and you just, you know, organize people and you get and you get a, a strong voice out there to, you know, tell the owners that this is unacceptable. And, you know, first of all, this was the first thing when I woke up, so I wasn't ready for it at all, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, you know, I just, you know, said, well, let's, 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 you know, put some brakes on here. Cause I'm, I'm not really quite ready for this. Um, <laughs> But, you know, then we, you know, as she calmed down and, and I woke up a little, um, you know, we had a, we had a very lengthy discussion about it. And, you know, and I said, well, I don't know that I'm ready to do that, but I am ready to talk to DVR about this and have a conversation that and we can include the larger audience in it, because I thought it was a really intriguing idea. I've never heard anybody in our community bring it up. And it, it brought me back. The reason I wanted to talk with you about it, DVR on the show is because when we had our conversation on here, I think a little more than a week ago about and specifically you framed it as as a community we can maybe try to make baseball better than it is so i thought well here's this is this is right up that alley so what are your thoughts about this idea um and there's i see at least three different parts that need to be fleshed out how how do you determine what's the best way for people to get that message to the owners what's the specific agenda you're asking for and what are the actions that we can take to actually put some pressure on owners to make it happen. And I, I have, you know, very few, if any answers to any of those. I mean, I think 
the only thing that truly matters to owners, again, people who've accumulated just insane amounts of wealth, is more money. I think the only way you're going to get owners to listen to the public is by hurting them where they actually feel it, and that's in their pockets. And it takes a lot to do that. And I think the the organizational effort that it would take to convince any fan base to significantly change their behavior as it pertains to how they spend money uh, around a team, you know, going to games and buying merchandise and even buying packages to stream games online, that is going to take a lot of effort. It's definitely an endeavor worth thinking about, but what are you going to get in return? What are you really going to get? If you get the owner's attention, do you have that agenda mapped out so clearly that you're going to get the long-term changes that you really want to see in the game? Um, are they going to be meaningful changes that actually last for a long time? I think those are those are sort of the next questions. You know, like even if you're able to pull off the highly challenging feat of getting their attention, how much long-term change can you really create? I think that's it's a big question to answer, and I don't have the answer to it. Smelling good is important, and thanks to Hawthorne, smelling good is easier than ever. It's time to move on from that old bottle of cologne and time to start taking care of your hair and skin. Here's how it works. Take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the products that are best for you, including two colognes, one for work and one for play, along with a full complement of shampoo, conditioner, body wash, deodorant, and lotions that smell great and are free of sulfate, silicone, and aluminum. All of Hawthorne's products are cruelty-free as well. You could even take the quiz for someone else to find the perfect Father's Day gift for your dad. Hawthorne is totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Well, what's your, you know, kind of your gut reaction? Because again, you know, we had a discussion about staying staying connected with baseball. Because I, I need to put this in the bigger context, you know, especially for those who might be listening now who didn't listen to the initial conversation we had about this. Um, but it you know, was coming from a place of, again, having lots of discouraging news about whether there was going to be a season and under what conditions. And I was you know, I was owning up to not being very excited about baseball. Um, and I've sort of gone in, in ebbs and flows with it, you know, since then, where there's days where I'm feeling more optimistic and really excited for baseball come back. And other days where I think, well, like think that, well, if this is the way it's going, even if it comes back, it's, it's sort of hard to feel good about, you know, about it and, you know, be excited about baseball. That's my personal feelings that I've had at times. Um, and, you know, so part of what I thought was really, you know, just a, a great attitude, a great line of thought from you was, well, you know, we can stay engaged by actually trying to, you know, help change the game, do what, do the little bits that we can to make it better. So from that perspective, um, from that very kind of high up perspective, very broad perspective, um, is this the type of change that you might envision 
Do you think there's a role for us in the fantasy baseball community, whether we're analysts or people who just play the game? Um, you know, is, is there that type of role for us? Uh, or do you have a vision where maybe our, you know, our energies are better spent? It's another great question. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think the things that bother me the most about professional baseball probably actually begin with minor league pay. That's probably the number one issue is when I, when I look at the economics of baseball, the overwhelming like, lack of, I guess, power or even a seat at the table for players who are brought into the league as high school draftees or even as college draftees. These kids, they, they don't really understand what they're getting into initially. I think they're learning quickly. And, and I think, again, a, a young player now versus a young player 20 years ago probably has a lot more information at their fingertips that can help them understand what they're actually doing. But, I mean, I think step one is to fix the minor league pay structure above anything else. Like That seems like one of the absolute top issues in professional baseball. Is that even where you'd want to begin? Do we even agree on the starting point? Yeah, because that's a clearly an important issue and where uh, I, I can't really think of a, a place where there's greater inequity um, in the game, inequality. So on the one hand, from that perspective, it, it seems like that's a very good place to start. And on the other hand, we have a very immediate problem here that we may not, may not have a baseball season uh, and you know may not have one next year. And just to, to add to this, um, there have been reports coming out on um, – there were reports coming out on Tuesday from a couple different sources that there's a, a cluster of owners who don't want a season um, for, you know, I'm sure financial reasons. Um, the, the specifics of that, I guess the numbers maybe just don't add up to having any kind of season. But, that you know, that strikes me as a really very immediate problem that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. And if you're one of the other 24 owners or ownership groups, do you not immediately want to oust those six owners from the league? Like how, how is that position anything less than damaging? Just I'm thinking about this purely from a business interest standpoint. How is their position of not wanting to play a season anything less than damaging to what you, the other owners, currently have? Like that to me is a huge red flag. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And that's why I say, I mean, it's a very immediate problem and there's, you know, a number of big problems that need to be dealt with and, and minor league pay and minor league treatment is ranks very high. Is it one? Is it two? Is it one A, one B? I'm not sure. Um, and at this point, um, with time running out in our show, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I don't know what the next chapter is in my, my conversation with Mary Beth. <laughs> <laughs> I was leaning on you DVR to uh, help me process here and uh, I'm going to have to do more processing. Um, but you know, these well, are questions that we're all going to have to deal with in fantasy baseball. We just have to pick a starting point. If, if there's something yeah. like this, that any of us are going to do, that is an attempt to change how baseball is structured. We go into it, realizing that there's strength in numbers and we're underdogs from the start trying to even do anything. But I think you have to set your sights on some very big goals and you do that for the greater good. I mean, I think if minor league baseball doesn't pay a living wage 
and the number of minor league affiliates around the country disappears, that shrinks the game in a big way in the long term. So that to me, it's such a multifaceted part of the longevity of baseball. That's that's why I think that's the place to begin, even though there are more time-sensitive issues on the table as it pertains to the 2020 season. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, hard for me to argue with that, but I, you know, I'd love to get everybody's um, input on this. So feel, feel, feel free to uh, tweet at me at Al Melchior BB uh, and uh, also uh, at Derek Van Riper. Um, let's get Beller in on this at uh, M Beller. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, and just one more thing here before we sign off, um, as we discussed at the top of the show, what uh, our theories might be on the, the motives, um, you know, more specifically, I mean, it's certainly financial, but there's a great piece out by the uh, always outstanding Cheryl Ring at uh, Beyond the Box Score, what MLB's legal waiver demand is really about. So without um, giving you a spoiler, it's a, it's a bit of a different angle than what we've discussed here. And uh, Cheryl always does great work. So um, check that piece out while you're at it. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be back here on Thursday. 